the midnight hour. Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. I'm reading Matthew 25. He says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And he says, The foolish ones took their lamps and did not take any oil with them. Verse 4, he says, The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And then he says, The bridegroom was long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Verse 9. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, you go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Verse 11, later others also came. Sir, sir, open for us. And then verse 12, he says, But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. And then verse 13 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Look now, this parable is set to challenge, which means contest, right? The church's inclusive tendencies in the narrative, in the description of the kingdom of God. The wise virgins refuse to share with the destituted, the disadvantaged. And then, you also see that the Messiah comes and left out some people. He left out some people for the kingdom. These people are painfully left outside, regardless of their desperate plea. <laughs> these people are what painfully left out from the kingdom regardless of their desperate plea Lord Lord please Lord Lord please open for us sir sir please open for us they are left out painfully regardless of their desperate plea the same Jesus that always sympathized with the destitute now, he's able to leave out a certain group of people without caring about their desperate plea. They are crying out to him, but he leaves them out. Hallelujah. It is therefore possible from face value, it is therefore possible from a first glance to misconstrue this parable, to misunderstand this parable as implying the first case of the biblical exaltation of selfishness. So it's therefore possible at the first glance to think that this parable is your first case to see the Bible exalting what? Selfishness. But he said misconstrue, to misunderstand. Hallelujah. Even much more difficult to understand. Even much more disturbing. Even much more troubling. 
is the fact that those who have the privilege and the opportunity and the advantage to prepare well don't seem too keen to help the destituted. It's very disturbing that they say, no, no, you go away. Because in Christian, you know, Christian values, eh? That you people have taught. The sweet Christian values. The most immediate thing there would have been, oh, uh, so I just pour for you a little, but don't get used to this. Eh? No, 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 no. No, no. No, they don't share. They don't seem keen at all. So that's very disturbing because we are talking about Christian values. But there is a point the Lord is raising here. See, when it comes to the matter of the kingdom of God, no, he won't lower. There are certain responsibilities that must be underscored by you. Because they are not keen to help the disadvantaged. The people who have been destituted, thrown in the streets. Eh? The Bible says, run there and feed them and help them. Share with them what you have. But now, it's very disturbing that despite their desperate plea, they are actually left out without nobody to care for them. So that really is an awakening into the gospel that we are in, eh? we are living. Can I move on now? Those with the advantage of the oil don't seem too willing to share their oil with the disadvantaged. Those with the advantage of the sweet oil, of the oil, don't seem too willing to share their oil with the destituted and the disadvantaged of this world. <laughs> Meaning, they are not even willing to enter with you. They don't want to enter with you or what? And if you listened to what I said a few minutes ago here, it was as though the wise virgins are the ones who sent the foolish ones to go. To go, you go. At the command of the wise ones, the foolish went. This implies that when it comes to the matter of preparedness, the Lord is not willing to compromise on the standards of heaven. That's the first thing that you see projected from that parable. It means, it implies that when it comes to the matter of preparedness, the Lord is not willing to lower the benchmark of heaven, the standard of heaven. He's saying that no, in this whole episode, then it means that when it comes to the matter of preparedness, the Lord is not ready to lower the standards of heaven. Can we read the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14? Now that is the standard of heaven. Where he says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Then he says, for without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. Meaning, whether you are my friend now, I don't know you. I will not know you on that. So, that is what the parable is bringing out. It's bringing out the fact that the Lord is not willing to lower the standards of heaven. Hallelujah. Yes, there is a message there about the standards of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Meaning the kingdom of God will be like this. Meaning it will be unrelenting on the standard set. If the standard is righteousness, so be it. So shall it be. If it's holiness, yes it shall be. So, so these are some of the messages we hear coming through from that parable. Now, it is as though the Lord is using this parable to say that all people 
were given sufficient time to prepare. It is as though the Lord is using this parable to say that all people were given sufficient time to prepare. And hence, a failure to be ready is totally inexcusable. Did somebody hear that? It is as though the Lord is using this parable to say that all people were given sufficient time to prepare. This act is yet another vivid, sober reminder. This act the Lord is doing in this parable here of leaving these people out, right? And they are crying desperately to the Lord that said he doesn't want to leave people out, right? This act is yet another solid or sober vivid reminder of the fact that the Lord Jesus who preached so much love this act is yet another sober vivid reminder that the Lord Jesus who preached so much love sometimes has to do this look has to lift up the hammer and strike it the hammer of justice when it comes to the kingdom of God now, if you catch that message right there, you just run. You just start running away. Say, ah, let me just go and prepare properly. When you catch this, it slits your ear. So you just say, ah, I've caught what I needed. I'm just running home now to start preparing. Because I'm realizing he's going to hammer it down, right? The same Jesus that preached a lot of love. They are pleading. They are crying. And leads him out. Say, no, I don't want you to enter. I don't even know you. Are we together? Because I said when it comes to the entry, because he said, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like, meaning when it comes to the kingdom of God. He has now to lift the hammer and, bah. and you have to give now scriptures that talk about how he preached that love so much to be able to highlight this point. When you see how much love he preached, then you understand. Let's go to Mark chapter 12 verses 30. Mark chapter 12 verses 30 to 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than those. You heard what the Lord preached. So that neighbor comes crying, please help me some little oil. Things are bad now. Please help me. And then you just cut him out when Jesus preached this. That now tells you of his stand when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. His stand is different. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The second one, B, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus what? 19, 18. Hallelujah. Then the scripture we are reading is C, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. The next one is Matthew 7, 7 to 8, right? Which says, Again, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. He says, ask and it will be given to you. But they asked, when it comes to the kingdom of God, they asked and they were denied. So did you understand properly now? Oh, yes. And they say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will open to you. They knocked and it was closed. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, now you understand that the rules are different. Sometimes the Messiah has to take a hammer 
of justice and strike it on the table on you. When in actual sense you really even wished he would not have to do that, right? But there are certain standards of heaven. And you say one of the key things he's talking about here, he's saying that no, everybody was already given enough sufficient time to prepare. So failure to prepare at this last moment is totally inexcusable. And later you'll hear me saying things like, like right now, how can the church even fail to prepare or fall asleep when we are sitting right on the verge of eternity? Eternity is about to happen. Huh? That's now you I'm talking to here. Eternity is just about to happen. How can you slumber or slope or fall down at this hour? We are sitting on the verge of eternity. And so everything has to be tightened up. Yes. And they knocked and it was shut instead. <laughs> no. I'm only talking about the kingdom of God. And if you understand the essence of this parable, as we are soon going to see in the next sub-chapter, sub-topic, is that this parable also comes out as a warning. The real purpose is really to warn that you may not fall into the other side. So we have seen, and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So, when you are preaching to the church, when you are talking with the church, when you are talking to the church about this situation here, about how the Lord is unrelenting on the standards of heaven, when you are speaking to the church about that, how all of a sudden, He's very unforgiving on this, right? On entry, on preparedness. Then it becomes more powerful, for you to highlight, because he said that the same Jesus that preached love so much, so much love, when it comes to the matter of entry, sometimes he has to lift up the hammer of justice and bang it down on us, right? Because of the standards of heaven. Then you refer them to where he preached love. And that will really exalt this point you're bringing here. That, wow, these are the things he said. That ask you shall be given, but they ask they were not given. Knock, it shall be opened. No, they knocked. It was shut. And they, in fact, actually, he rebuked them. When they knocked the door to heaven, he rebuked them. It was a rebuke. Can we move on then? The Lord is then using this parable to emphasize that preparedness cannot be shared. The Lord is then using this parable to emphasize that preparedness cannot be a shared be transferred the lord is mightily using this parable to re-emphasize to the church to re-emphasize the present day church that preparedness cannot be a shared be transferred up now i have so much preparedness i need to transfer this to one of my daughters or my sons so that huh he said no. No, he said no. And that shocks you that he can say that, right? <laughs> can I move on now? The Lord is essentially saying here that preparedness is a matter of personal responsibility. <laughs> At you will prepare as a group. At you will enter as a group. Huh? There you go now. <laughs> there you go now. He's saying that preparedness is a matter of personal responsibility. That's why he's saying it cannot be shared. 
Because I, I want, I actually, what I love is the following. I want to go to heaven, I want to go with my, chil my husband, and then my children, and then I, even my friends in the church, there are a few of them really, I, can, I need to mention them. You want to go with them. Okay, which heaven? That's now another one. Another heaven is okay, you can go with them. But this heaven I'm talking about, the one of Jehovah. He says, you be careful, begin to prepare yourself, and you just go ahead and enter right away. Don't wait for anybody else. Because preparedness is a matter of personal responsibility. That's why it cannot be shared, cannot be transferred. Hallelujah. Oh yes. Do you understand that, that when the Lord spoke in parable, we only needed Him to open our eyes to really see it. So we can help the church, right? Can we move on then? He is saying that preparedness, this greatly emphasizes that preparedness rests Squarely on personal accountability. That on that day you will be personally accountable. Squarely rests. Personal accountability. That you should be able to account for yourself on that day. Where were? So those of you who have been longing to enter with wife, husband, children, many. It's a good aspiration. Oh, the lawyers would say it's a lofty aspiration, right? But, he's saying, you first enter... And then help the others. Because you know that they will have to account for themselves. Hallelujah. You first enter. Can I move on now? If the wise virgins, another thing we learn from this parable, is that if the wise virgins had shared their oil with the foolish, if the wise virgins had shared their precious oil, with the foolish. If the wise virgins had shared their precious oil with the foolish, a tragedy would have happened. They would have tragically missed the kingdom of God. <laughs> hey. If the wise virgins had shared their precious oil, their treasured oil with the foolish, they would have tragically missed the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible would have been written differently. Where were Just to re-emphasize on how you cannot transfer or share. Eh? And we have talked about this before. And I've said, the anointing for this hour, the anointing for preparedness, stands a high risk of being plundered. I use the word plundered, looted. Huh? He's saying no. <laughs> to go on TV and say, you see the type of anointing there? I want like that man. No, 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 no. He's saying, when you have the anointing for preparedness, you be careful also to know or to note that the devil wants to take it. Why? To sink both of you. To sink him and you. Because him, he knows he's sunk. So he's saying, if the wise virgins had probably shared their oil, they would have most definitely not had enough oil for themselves. You cannot say that you are going to the world to redeem the world. So you reach the world, then the world converts you to the world. But don't laugh. That is the tragedy that happened to the church out there. They went to the world to, 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 to deliver the world, to win the world, to convert the world. But instead the world converted them. That's why now the world is with them. There's worldliness in the church. That's why my calling became relevant. 
That's why the Lord has sent me. Otherwise, if they had done it right, there was no need. Hallelujah. We just talk about the first part. First part of this parable. So he's saying, they would have miserably missed entry into the glorious kingdom of God. They would have, as a result, miserably missed entry into the glorious kingdom of God. Are we together? Hallelujah. So you can counter the caramelized and sweet gospel that's being preached out there with this. You go to them, no! The kingdom of God is not much inclusive. The kingdom of God is separated. The kingdom of God is righteous. It is strong on holiness. So you go and counter it. Why? Because in these days, there are no preachers of righteousness out there. And then he says, the good works of the oil that the wise virgins had cannot be shared in any way. The good works of the oil that the wise virgins had cannot be shared in any way. Now, can I share what those good works are? For example, the fear of God in your heart. You cannot share it with somebody else. That is just you. You can preach it, but you can never enforce it in somebody else. You can preach it to them. And based on how you have it, you can preach it to them. But you can never enforce it. The fear of God, they are matters of the heart. These things can be shared because they are actually matters of the heart. Oh yes, you cannot enforce it. I force you now. I put you down. I command you now. I order you now. And he's saying, A, fear of God. B, a righteous lifestyle. Those are matters of the heart. C, contriteness of the heart. Contrite, which is really humbleness, which I'm also mentioning down here. Humility of the heart. Zeal for God in the heart. The reason these things can't be shared because they are matters of the heart. These are attributes of the heart. And hence cannot be shared. Because they are a personal responsibility of a man or a woman. Do you understand what the parable was saying? You say, no. Preparedness cannot be shared. It's about the heart. Yes, there are matters of the heart. Personal accountability. Personal responsibility. So I want now the subtopic, which is the kingdom of God. Or kingdom of heaven, whichever you want. But kingdom of God. That's now a new topic. Now the next topic is called the kingdom of God. When he said the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, now we know that meant the kingdom of God is like. What did the Lord mean? Hallelujah. That's the next topic now. When the Lord began by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. He essentially talked about the kingdom of God. Meaning, he was implying the kingdom of God. That's number one. Number two, he was implying the coming of the rule of God. Did you understand that part? But if you see what he has done in that parable at the end of it, then you see number three, he's also talking about the coming of the rule of God's justice. Because some people are left out. The rule of God's justice. Hallelujah. Can we move on now? So, when the Lord talked about the coming of the kingdom of heaven. We have now seen that essentially implied the coming of the reign of God. The coming of the rule of God. But when he talked about that, 
What is the message he brought to this church? Number one, you see that the Lord essentially implied that the coming of God's rule or the coming of the kingdom of God would bring with itself or would generate number one fear and stun hallelujah in that parable we see the great shock that takes place at the midnight hour when the announcement comes regarding the coming of the bridegroom the arrival of the bridegroom we see a tremendous shock that consumes both the wise and the foolish and the desperate cry and plea and the panic and the running to look for oil so in other words the lord was saying number one that the coming of the kingdom of god or the coming of god's rule would be characterized by great shock fear and trembling that's number one that's the first message the parable gives us right that that is it that is it when the lord said the kingdom of heaven is like in that parable he essentially meant that the coming of god's rule number two would be characterized by division and separation it would generate a great division and separation it would divide the earth into two pieces even the church it would come with a great division and separation because we see in that parable that same church has two congregations one is a righteous congregation and the other one is the unrighteous congregation righteous versus unrighteous holy versus unholy faithful versus unfaithful wise versus unwise so essentially the lord was saying that the coming of the rule of god would generate would give birth to a great division and separation in the church and on the earth hallelujah he's saying that number one it would generate a lot of fear and trembling like you us. that is panic and fear and shock and stun you can see they were shocked he has come especially if he delayed you can see we are coming to that now you can see in this parable the coming of the bridegroom is delayed and i'm coming to the waiting process and i have some points for you about the waiting what message was it giving to the church but he's saying here that this is what happens he's saying that shock and fear and number two he says a great division and separation under it like this division and separation these are the points matthew 24 matthew 24 verse 40 hallelujah matthew 24 verse 40 to 42 are you ready and he says two men will be in the field one will be taken the other will be left and he says two women were grinding with a meal one will be taken and the other left verse 42 therefore keep watch you 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 therefore you you keep watch eh? because of this kind of narration for you you just keep watch eh? 
He said, therefore, you keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord, your Lord, will come. Did you understand properly? So he's saying that the coming of God's reign will be characterized by this. A great division and separation whereby two women, can you imagine, grinding on the same meal. They're not doing like this on this side. Like this, the hunger is going to the same pot. Meaning they are really together in their practice in life. But when that moment comes, he says, separate the two. Whether they are conjoined, conjoined in by the hip or whatever, you, they have to be cut like this and separated. Huh? That's what he's saying. When he's saying that the wise virgins are separated out and taken, that's what he implies. That you should be aware. This church, the church of this hour should be aware that the coming of the reign of God, the rule of God, will generate forth a great separation and division. So, you are used to your friends. You do things together. You do Bible fellowship together. You walk together. You eat together. Drink together. Talk together. But when that day comes, separate the two. So, don't even rely on somebody that we are walking together with him. Amen. Don't. Did you understand the target here? Yes, he's trying to make you stand on your own and prepare for this thing. Two men in the same field. Wow. Not even in two fields. Same field conversation together. They plowed it together. They are working together. Now th when the kingdom of God comes, they have to be separated. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great separation and division. Two women, same grinding mill. One remains there in the grinding mill. The other one has been taken. Is in other words saying, the characteristic of the coming of the kingdom of God is this one. Right? A great separation and division. And still under that. So we have seen now the great separation and division. Under it we have seen the scripture. And then we are going to another point under it still until we are exhausted. It will separate, like I said, the righteous from the unrighteous. The faithful from the unfaithful. The believers from the non-believers. The holy believers from the unholy believers. The Christians from non-Christians. The brethren from the heathen. You see, whatever. The, the list on and on, right? And the next thing under that next scripture there is Luke chapter 17. Are you ready with me? Luke 17, verses 34 to 36. Still on the same separation. Great separation and division. Luke 17, 34 to 36. Hallelujah. Luke 17, 34, 36. Can I read it? I tell you that... On that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. But that's amazing. Then he says, then he goes on to say, two women who have been grinding together will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, one the other and left. But what I wanted to emphasize is this. You hear that night. So that night can mean that we are in the night time. That's number one. Number two, that night can mean that one part of the earth will be day and the other will be night time. Did you understand? But the key thing you want to understand there, these are married people. Two people in one bed. This is husband and wife. And he's kind of saying that out of a couple, I'll take one, leave the other. Meaning, the condition of the heart. Ah! 
that is such a great division, eh? And separation. When now you decide, uh, uh, me, I'm going to Bible college. You're not taking Charles' birthday. No, me, I have a Bible fellowship. And then it will teach the wife, the husband, okay? It will teach the husband to understand that, eh? They don't care cake. For a man that I know loves cake, all of a sudden he says, no, where, where? She'll get her Bible and run also. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, he will, right? Yes, because the women have a greater zeal. So he will be forced to pursue God. Not, not to please you, but for himself. Because you see, you are doing it for you. You are moving on. You are coming home, he is grumbling around, he is saying, why are you down like that? Whatever. You, you are just singing, hallelujah, as you are cooking, whatever. He, they see, you are moving on without caring. And he said, I'd rather join these people. Yeah, because he comes home, he finds you are sitting discussing a Bible. Yes, the Bible, there is a cake there, reading the Bible, and, and he looks from the other room, he looks like this, ah, actually, I need to join these people. Oh, yes, that is the reality the Lord is trying to awaken in you. Because he's saying personal responsibility. You cannot enforce it. But the way you do it can cause others to also pursue their personal. So that is what the parable is all about. And he says, two people in bed, meaning husband and wife. So that's really a great separation and division. Can we move on now? So, we have talked about the great shock and trembling, or shock and stun, whichever way you put it. We are talking about, look, look, when he said, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. We already mentioned the point. We said the first one, great shock and stun. And number two, great division and separation, under which several points, there was Matthew 24, and then we came to Luke 17. Great division and separation. And then under it we gave another one, two, three, the two, the points. Righteous against unrighteous. Holy against unholy. Faithful against unfaithful. Believers against the heathen. Whatever. Christians and Christians. Down like this, back at Luke 17. Under the same under. Now we are moving back to C. Right? It will bring great resistance. People will resist. Because when you look at the earth today, they have resisted to prepare. If you look at the foolish virgins, their act is a resistance. It's a, an act of resistance. Hallelujah. But can I mention another resistance? That's one resistance right there. Because when you look at the act of the foolish church, even the church you see all over the world today, they are resisting to prepare for the kingdom. Now those were saying, when that time comes, it will raise for the great resistance in the church out there. And the world, by the way, they don't want to hear Jesus. It's so terrible. So there's a big resistance in the world against the kingdom, against God, against what is godly, against what is righteous. So he was implying that the coming of the kingdom of God from the act of the foolish virgins, it means it will raise forth a generation of people who have great resistance to anything godly, anything God. And under that resistance, it would raise forth a hindrance. A hindrance, as we are soon going to see. Because he is saying that the day and the hour is not even known. So that becomes a major hindrance for entry. That is now the hindrance to entry. Because if you look at the way he was saying, he was saying that the kingdom of heaven, the coming of the kingdom of heaven, meaning the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of the rule of God, when he said the kingdom of heaven, and then he's talking about the bridegroom. That means one of the things 
that he implied the parable, he, wanted, he intended the parable to project to you, is that when the kingdom of heaven comes, it would essentially mark the coming of the Messiah. In other words, he's saying that the Messiah will be the deliverer of that kingdom. He's the one who would come and deliver that kingdom. Did you understand what he means there? Now he has shifted focus to the Messiah. Because now he's speaking from, when he said the coming of the kingdom of heaven, then he hears about the groom. So he's now speaking from the groom now. That the coming of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the rule of God, would also bring with it the Messiah, the bridegroom. And so there, and then we read Matthew, under that, we read Matthew 28, verse 18. Are you ready? And this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then, you also, of course, they talk about disciples after that. Under that, you write John chapter 5, verses 24, 28. There also it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Messiah. Hallelujah. John 5, 24 through 28. Because they actually is talking about the rapture of the church. Those who will be asleep on the earth. And he said, but those who will hear. He said, and they will hear. But those who will hear, meaning not all will hear. Those who will hear, they will leave, whatever. Because all authority has been given. And then you can also move on and on with other scriptures. But I think those two will underscore the fact that when he says that the coming of the kingdom of God, and now we know, he's essentially saying the coming of the kingdom of God will bring with it what? Great shock and stun and trembling. Great division and separation. Under which there is Matthew 24, 40, 42. There is Luke 17, 34, 36. And all those divisions between believers and unbelievers, righteous and unrighteous. And then he moves this way, he says great resistance. That's why these days, the nearer the kingdom, the greater the resistance. Even the Bible predicts a greater deception as a preamble, as an introduction to the resistance after the church. And then he goes on to say, we'll bring forth the coming of the Messiah. And then he crowns it, he justifies it by saying, the Messiah indeed is the one who comes to deliver that kingdom. Why? Because all authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to the Messiah. Hallelujah. Can I now move to the next point? Now look at this now. I have now used the bridegroom to exalt forth the Messiah. That actually the coming of the kingdom of God is essentially synonymous with the coming of the Messiah. So now, after taking the Messiah and raising him like this, then I'm now repeating the same thing. I'm now saying, therefore, in this parable, when the Lord said the kingdom of God, remember the title is the kingdom of God. What he meant is that the coming of the kingdom of God would bring forth the coming of the reign of the Messiah, and that coming of the reign of the Messiah would also be characterized by deliverance, or in brackets, reward and judgment. Deliverance, or reward in brackets, and judgment. Hallelujah. Or, if you want, preparedness and judgment. Oh, yes. Now he has gone back to say, okay, so when we meant that the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God will bring forth preparedness and judgment, or reward and judgment, or deliverance and judgment, then we actually meant that the coming of the reign of the Messiah, or the coming of the Christ, would also be two-faced. Because he comes to deliver the kingdom of God. It's not semantics at all. Can I move on? The Lord Jesus 
by giving this parable essentially implied that his return would split the earth into two categories under a a the faithful b the unfaithful so at this point i want to stop here and ask a question church of christ ever since you became born again have you been faithful have you upheld unto the values of faithfulness meaning no cheating faithfulness means honor and decorum unto your partner the lord yes because the lord has come to give you a cross to work with you to bring you into heaven so if there is a contract it's between two people he has finished his part of the bargain even legal contracts name it but you have to do yours right are you faithful on your segment of the contract right hallelujah so can we move on then moreover the lord also intended that through this parable today's church gets to know that his coming cannot be timed you cannot say um uh, well i think tomorrow by this time he will arrive cannot however can i share with you something one time i had finished a meeting at sigulu island in uganda and it was 24th of december christmas eve in fact it was really eve because evening the sun had just set now it's meaning the little light that is going off you know so as we were coming i fell asleep and when i fell asleep this is what the lord said by voice from heaven he came and said it to my ear and he said the messiah can even come back today if you want so i want you to understand sometimes the interaction between the lord and his prophet is very different it's very deep it's very close right he said i was very shocked so i woke up he said the messiah can even come today if you want so when i was shocked and woke up for me the first thing that hit me was this i said wow this is christmas eve and li almost literally everybody is is in sin that the first thing that hit me including christians at that point they compromise they are now drinking small parties what any excuses to go into sin so i wondered i was like wow even now if i want but what hit me most is wow how about, but if he came now wow he would really cut the whole earth offside even churches that time the pastors are in another mode that's the most sinful time on the earth and the new year's eve but the lord was using this parable to say that the coming his return or the coming of the reign of god cannot be timed never another point under that now we have gone back to the big points right we are now on the big points another point after that he says in other words the lord was using this parable of the wise versus the foolish virgins when he said the kingdom of god to imply that his return or the coming of the reign of god the rule of god cannot be 
and will not be in our terms. But it will strictly be in God's terms. Have you understood? Cannot be timed. And now I've split it and I said, in other words, he was also saying, the coming of the Messiah cannot be in our terms. Yeah, I feel, do you feel it? Mm, I feel it. Uh, yeah, I feel we are really ready. Let him just come now. Mm. Do you feel the same? Yeah, at in our terms. He said, no. It will be strictly on his terms, on God's terms. And if you look at the whole thing very well, you find that neither does the Son of Man also know the time. So surely it is strictly on God's terms. It is in God's timing. We are now learning more about the word and how powerfully tailored to the coming of the kingdom of God. To the midnight hour. So there is no better. Because you, you can preach 10 years, you are still in tune if he has not come. Because you are preaching the coming of the Messiah. The midnight hour. Hallelujah. Matthew 24 verse 42. To underscore that point. Matthew 24 verse 42. All the way to 50. Can I read it? He says, Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house to be broken into. He's coming to kidnap the church. To steal the church. And says, verse 44, he says, so you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect that's why i said the coming of the messiah becomes a hindrance that unknownness now is a hindrance for entry is the sieve for sieving people will go for sieving for really testing who is faithful you see that and verse 45 who then is the faithful and wise servant whose master has put in charge of the other of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will be put in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that a servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away long. And he then begins to beat up, to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servants will come on the day when he does not expect him, and at an hour that he is not aware of. He will cut him off to pieces and assign him to the place of the hypocrites, where there is the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Did you understand now? This goes a long way to underscore, to, to emphasize to the church, that the coming of the Messiah, His return, Christ's return, the coming of the kingdom of God will strictly be on His terms, in His timing. Hallelujah. Now, no wonder the reason to be ready, to be more ready. Because we don't know, it's not in our control, right? Can we move on then? Still under the topic, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now the next topic becomes the wedding banquet. When the Lord said, wedding banquet, and those who were ready with him, went in with him into the wedding banquet. So the title in capital letters, wedding banquet underlined. When he said so, what did he mean? What is the message? What did the Lord mean? You see very clearly, 
that this parable is an extract. It is extracted from the normal daily lives of the Jews. How they used to live. That is where the Lord went in and extracted the parable from. And you know very well that by so doing, He really wanted to connect with them. Connect with them. For example, a little baby born begins to walk. Sometimes, you are compelled to communicate with them in their language, right? If you bought something for ding, ling, 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 like this, right? And they like it. So, you always, when you come to them, you say, baby, ding, ling, ling, ling. And you see the baby laughing and walking towards you slowly. You see that? So, you go down there to reach them to connect, right? You understand? So, are you beginning to understand why this parable was taken from the normal Jewish life? In fact, if you look at all the parables, he essentially took them from the normal life of the Jewish society, the Jewish culture, Jewish community. Hallelujah. Still on this, I'm still building something for you here. Now, when you look deep at that act of the God of heaven, all of a sudden say, uh-uh, let me go down and talk to them in their level. When you look down there and you see that, then the first thing that you see is the following. You say, wow, the mighty God we know of, the creator of the heavens, the one that created the vast oceans, and then the spirit of God before the light came was moving over the oceans, the vast oceans like that. That mighty God of heaven, the omnipotent God of Israel, the God whose wisdom is infinite, has no end, has no beginning or end. The God that is highly, highly, highly exalted. How could he come down and talk to us at our level? It raises a shame. Then you're like, wow. That means the Lord, when he mentions the wedding banquet in this parable, what he projected, what he wanted, he intended to project forth to the church is the great, great, great disposition of love that he has towards the church. Let me explain that love before we write. Why that love? Why such a great, great, how is it a great, great disposition of love? Why? How? How is it a great, great, great disposition of love that has never been seen, that cannot be understood? How is it? Because by so doing, from his upper chambers of wisdom, and we know in those chambers once in a while, he can just release a little wisdom like this for architecture and new types of buildings are being built on the earth. He releases just a little bit of wisdom like this on medicine and a new drug is discovered. The upper chambers release a little bit like this. New types of aircrafts are now being built. Whatever you, you want to call it. Imagine the vastness, the, the inf infiniteness of the wealth 
of the treasures of the wisdom of God in the upper chambers. He's saying that if he had spoken with us in those terms, we would not have understood him. That if I had spoken to them strictly on God's terms, the way God speaks, they would not understand me. So in other words, he's saying that the great disposition of love that the word wedding banquet projects throws into the church is because out of the failure, our narrow capacities, understanding capacities, out of our failure or slowness to understand him, he's saying that he was forced, compelled to bow down the heavens and meet us at our level then. And then speak to us about the great esoteric, abstruse if you want, but the great deeper truths of the cross and the salvation of the cross and then of heaven, eternity. So you see, that's why I'm saying from that lofty, he decides to talk to us in terms of what we do every day. Our childishness. That we may understand heaven. And like it and then want to go there. Did you get the overview picture? Yes. That even when the cloud of God descended in Kisumu into the church, you can see now the amount of love. Where he had to descend heaven down. In other words, he has to bring heaven on his knees to be able to reach you. Isn't that an amazing act? And that's why, that's the first thing I wanted to understand. Because how can such a holy, lofty, high God come and talk to us in terms of our wedding? Because at that time, the weddings were the most common things in the Jewish culture. And there's also another reason I'm going to share with you here. It was the happiest time in the Jewish life. And he saw that, said, oh, then let me go there and talk to them in terms of that thing they love most. So, later on you hear me say, that the Lord had to take condescendence and abuse in his wisdom in order to bow down the heavens on his knees to reach us. It is abusive for such a holy God to come and talk to us in terms of the weddings of the earth. To relate or to connect with us towards the kingdom of God. He says, by referring to the wedding banquet, stroke wedding feast in this parable, by referring to the wedding banquet, brackets or stroke, wedding feast, in this banquet, and if I were you and I love God so much, and I, I would have said, by referring to royal banquet, royal feast. So there are many ways you can adorn it, right? In this parable, the omnipotent God wanted to demonstrate to mankind the omnipotent God of heaven wanted to demonstrate to mankind his greatest disposition of love towards the church. He wanted, in other words, to show the world how much great love he has for the church. And that love, you remember I said it? The bowing down of heaven on his knees. Hallelujah. If you know that this message has touched you and you know that you are not right with the Lord. You are within the same bracket of those who have committed the sin so grievous, pornography, lasting at women in the streets, the tight trousers that show their bodies in the church.
tight skirts that show their bodies in the church, immoral dressing essentially. If you know that this is you, please repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I repent today and reject sin. Lead me into righteousness. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Please protect me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you have said that prayer, behold, a new day has begun with your life. The Bible says you become a new creation before the Lord. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Change your life. Throw out the things that constitute sin, contamination, pollution in your lives. Even as a pastor, it's time to clean up your gospel. Clean up your church. It does not matter whether they try to leave the church. Don't change the message. Continue to preach the message of the kingdom of God. The message of the blood and the cross. Shalom Todaraba. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.